0: morning <clears throat> so uh, typically when I uh, tend to uh, or when I when I have opportunity to preach I tend to uh, in in preparation uh, just as I'm doing research and reading I'll just kind of jot down notes as and kind of let my mind wander through the subject and and kind of see where it takes me and so I just you know compile uh, uh, notes and things I want to say and then I just kind of share them with you and uh, if you If you have any uh <coughs> knowledge about how the way my brain works, it tends to not be very organized um, and uh, uh, somewhat disjointed but uh, yesterday, I did take some time and actually uh, <coughs> uh, took some took some time to summarize my thoughts and put it in a logical flow so uh, hopefully this will be uh, um, a little bit more um, i guess uh, some concrete thoughts here but uh um, I need I need to ask everyone to uh, do me a favor. Um, so I want you all to pretend that you have a, uh, a, a beard. Everybody that doesn't have a beard, which is is uh, Brent's the only one with a beard anymore because Creed shaved and oh yeah, Micah, where Micah stuff must have stepped out. Okay, but I want you all to pretend you have a fake beard. And I want you to kind of stroke it like this. Just do this motion right here. It's not a trick. Just pretending like you got a fake beard. So. The reason I'm asking you to do this is uh, one, of the, one of the other things that I'm trying to work on in, in uh, public speaking and in presenting is I tend to become very passionate and speak very quickly and, and tend to get ahead of myself a little bit. So if you happen to notice that I'm speaking rather quickly or that I'm getting a little ahead of myself, as, as Chris is is, is uh, displaying here, just go ahead and give your fake beard a little stroke, and that'll be an indication to me, a you know, non distracting way of, of indicating to me that I need to slow down a little bit. I mean, for you, I'll make an exception. <laughs> yes, yeah, you have to also stroke your beard at the same time. <laughs> so, um, we are, I'm I'm going to continue in our, our God's Not Read series. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with the series that we're in right now, uh, we are going through some of the passages of the Bible that Uh, can be uh, skipped over that are um, maybe not addressed directly. Uh, It could be topics that are um, difficult to wrestle with. It could be things that uh, are not easy to apply um, to our lives today as the church. Uh, It could be um, passages that call us to question ourselves, our own faith, uh, to call into question the character of God, um, which is is characteristic of the passage that I'm going to go through today. Uh, But I did want to say that... um, the, uh, the passage that we're going to go through, uh, I, as I, I wrestled with this over the last few days, um, I, I, as I was doing some research and kind of looking at different perspectives on this, it, it took me a lot deeper than I expected. And this is something that I'm still continuing to wrestle with. And so uh, the, the, the ideas that, that I'm going to uh, present and, and the, uh, the questions that we're going to talk about, these are things that I haven't resolved. Um, and so, as, as we talk through these, I uh, Im- invite you to, um, you know, re- uh, wrestle, you know, with these questions with me. <clears throat> so, the passage that we're going to look at today, and this is in the ESV, so uh, if you need a Bible, um, there should be one in the pew back in front of you um, that you can follow along in the ESV version. But uh, we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, verses 2 and 3. And uh, in this passage, it says, uh, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. As Creed likes to say, can I get an amen? I tend to emulate people that I, I look up to and I want to be like. And Creed's like the smartest guy I know, so I wish I was as smart as Creed. So, I what's that? Also tall. <laughs> <laughs> so, the dilemma that we that we encounter in this in this passage is that God has commanded Saul. Saul being in and let me back up uh, just a second here. So. Uh, the Lord is, is speaking, and uh, this is actually uh, Samuel, if you read it in, in context of the, of the chapter. Uh, Samuel is a prophet. He's coming. We'll get a little bit more into the characters here in the, in the story, but Samuel is speaking to Saul and, and sharing the word of the Lord and saying this is what the Lord is commanding you to do. <clears throat> and so God commanded Saul, the dilemma here, God commanded Saul to kill every single person and animal, of a particular people group, a.k.a. commit genocide. And so I I think we can kind of naturally progress to uh, the questions of, you know, we're questioning God's character in in him telling, you know, a human to kill, uh, a human being to kill other um, people, uh, specifically, you know, completely wipe out an entire people group. Uh, Before we uh, dive into some of those questions, though, I do want to provide some background on uh, what's going on here. Uh, some background on what we're reading, um, on the story itself, and on the people uh, involved in this story. So first, um, we'll look at the uh, book of Samuel itself. Uh, The book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel were originally one book in the Hebrew. Uh, However, the Hebrew text was written without vowels in it, and so when it was translated into the Greek, uh, it essentially doubled the length of the text, and so they had to use two scrolls to contain all of the text in um, the book of Samuel. That's why we have First and Second Samuel today. The literary style of the book of Samuel is that it's a historical record, and so uh, as we're reading through this, um, what we can what we can assume in the interpretation is that this was meant to be a record of actual events that happened. So. Um, if uh, if you're looking for some way to say oh maybe it didn't exactly happen this way or maybe that's not exactly what was said uh, God pretty much said hey go wipe all these people out <clears throat> uh, there were multiple sources for the, uh, the the content in the book of Samuel book of First Samuel uh, so there were <clears throat> don't take pictures of me it's distracting. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so there, there were multiple sources uh, for the content, and so you can see that in the uh, in how it's compiled, that it's it's not really a uh, uh, it's not really laid out in chronological order necessarily throughout the whole book. Um, but that doesn't uh, uh, negate or, or, or diminish um, kind of the point, the narrative that the historians who compiled it were wanting to present. So the, the point is not a, a chronological record. Um, but rather taking these events um, and putting them together and say, hey, this, is, this is what we want to present you know, in this book. These are the things we want to record. This, this is the important stuff. And so, of course, with multiple sources, some of the authors are known, um, although it is believed that uh, Samuel himself, Samuel the prophet, um, after whom the book is named, uh, did um, record some of these. But uh, obviously some of these events happened after his death, um, so uh, obviously not all of it could have been uh, recorded by him. All right, so next up, we're going to look at the key players here, uh, number one being God. So thus says the Lord of hosts, um, God being the one in, in this instance who is, is giving a, uh, a command um, to his people. Uh, he is speaking through his prophet, um, a, a man that is his voice, and uh, God is the one who, whose character also we are, are questioning here, God being the God of Israel, the God of um, of our faith, uh, the Christian God. And uh, this is the, you know, the, the God who we have to wrestle with in, in understanding, like, why is God saying uh, what he's saying in this passage. Secondly, we have Samuel. So Samuel is a, um, he's, uh, first off, he is a judge, uh, previously a judge. He is the last judge of the time of the judges uh, during, or, uh, uh, for the Israelite people, uh, he is the last one to act in that role. Uh, I, I I don't know that he was specifically called out as a judge, but he was an act, uh he was acting in that role for the people of Israel uh, during that time. And, and this is around uh, 1050 BC, um, somewhere between 1050 and and uh, 1000 BC. And so Samuel is uh, he's a judge. He's also uh, overseeing the transition. From the time of the judges to the time of the monarchy in Israel, when the first uh, the first king was established in Israel, and so he oversees that. Uh, and not only that, but Samuel is a prophet, and um, I, I would I would encourage you to uh, look into more about like what it, what a prophet is and um, what it, what that means, but. Uh, based on the, uh, the records, um, both in First Samuel and uh, I think in other uh, books of the Bible as well, uh, Samuel is Samuel is legit. Um, he he's a legit guy. Uh, not perfect as no human being is, but clearly is called by God, um, is anointed by God as a prophet, and so we can um, gather that what he is speaking here in this passage is uh, him um, giving the actual word of the Lord that was given, uh, that was spoken to him directly by God, um, or, 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 you know, uh, tr- uh, transferred, transferred to him, that knowledge was transferred to him in, in whatever way that God, um, decided to communicate that to him. Third, we have Saul, uh, so I mentioned that, uh, Samuel oversaw the, uh, the establishment of the first king. Saul is the first king of Israel, um, I'll get into a little bit about uh, what's going on with Saul once we get into the kind of the whole story, what's going on with this passage. But um, Saul is the one that is receiving the command of God, and uh, so Samuel is presenting this message to Saul, saying, Saul, here, this is this is for you to uh, perform. This is the, the action that God is, is calling you to do. He's commanding you to do this. And so Saul is receiving uh, the word of the Lord. And then lastly, we have the Amalekites. So these are these are the condemned uh, in this in this uh, passage. So, uh, these are the, the the people group that God is commanding Saul to completely wipe out. Um, and again, we'll get a little bit uh, more into who the Amalekites are. But uh, basically, these people are uh, were a nomadic people. The Amalek was actually a descendant, um, I think, two generation descendant from Esau, who, as you may know, is the brother of Jacob, uh, son of Isaac. Um, so, part of the lineage of Abraham. So, they're actually slightly kin to the Israelites, uh, but these people, um, they, uh, uh, they organized in their own people group, and Amalek, you know, kind of established his, you know, his, his family, his tribe, his nation, if you will, and, and when I say nation, uh, nations back then referred to a much smaller people group than what you might assume when you hear the word nation today, um, but that nation being, like I said, nomadic tribal people. But the Malachites um, were a people that uh, they really preyed upon the weak, um, and they they really didn't have any sort of uh, uh, honor uh, amongst uh, themselves, even even in war. Um, no honor in in attacking the people that they attacked. And uh, like I said, I'll get a little bit more into um, uh, their. Uh, who who they are and, and kind of some of their actions as we look at the uh, backstory or the, the whole story here. So, um, so taking it back to the very beginning, what what's led us up to this point of God commanding Saul to completely wipe out the Amalekites? Uh, the Amalekites sinned against God, and so uh, that that's kind of setting the stage for you know um, God's proclamation. And so we can see this. <clears throat> Uh, record of this and, and record of, of what exactly happened in Deuteronomy 25:17 through 19. Uh, so God is speaking here, saying, "Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came up out, as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary, and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you." In the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an, an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. And so here we kind of see again the character of the Amalekites, in that uh, not only did they prey upon the weak, but we can see here where they did this to um, the people of God, uh, the Israelites, as they were on their uh, exodus from Egypt. And so they're uh, traversing the desert; um, they're weary uh you can read accounts in, in uh i think the book of Exodus where you know multiple times they're they're without food they're without water and they're you know, having to depend upon God to provide these things for them in the wilderness but they're weary and um they're 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 moving there's people on the move uh people who are not used to this lifestyle and so uh as they're as they're moving along the Amalekites come and attack them from the re- uh, from the rear and and attack the 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 people that are are more helpless um, so they're not even staging warfare against this people group they're, they're kind of picking them off and taking advantage of their weakness and uh, this is this is a theme that we'll see you know in, in, in other stories in the Bible as the Israelites are moving into the promised land, the land that God has promised them and throughout the stories even of the judges, even into the kings that the Amalekites uh, were a people that um, constantly, uh, engaged in this type of behavior, and they were constantly also aligning themselves with enemies of Israel in order to attack them and take advantage of them um, in situations like this. So the Amalekites have sinned against God, and God made a promise, as we read in Deuteronomy, saying, these people, I'm going to wipe out these people because of what they have done against my people. And so, Uh, That that brings us to uh, the verse that we are looking at today, Saul is commanded to wipe out the entire Malachi people. So God is saying, it is now time for my promise to be fulfilled, and Saul, I am choosing you to fulfill that promise. And so uh, moving forward, if you read through the rest, and I I would suggest reading the rest of the chapter of 1 Samuel 15, um, it really has some additional applications in it as well, besides just looking at this verse. But uh, as you read through that story, we see that um, Saul disobeys uh, God's command. And so what, what happens, just kind of summarize, so Saul goes, uh, with, takes his army, goes to attack the Amalekites, um, looking like, okay, he's going to carry this out, this command. And uh, Saul's already kind of uh, um, on thin ice here with God, uh, like he's already uh, kind of messed up uh, a few times and has been either disobedient or unfaithful or uh, has, you know, kind of acted rashly acted in in a way that that has not glorified God, Um, and this is as the anointed king of Israel. And so Saul goes and he attacks the Amalekites, but instead of completely killing everyone and killing all the animals as God commanded, uh, he put everyone to the sword, um, and as we'll see later, um, he he did not entirely wipe out the Amalekite people, but he also uh, took the king, uh, King Agag, of the king of the Amalekites, he took him alive, and the Saul it says that Saul let the people keep some of the animals, uh, supposedly to sacrifice to God. Um, whether they were actually that was actually their intention, or if they were just taking them as spoils of war, uh, they they killed all of the ones that were like had defects, or that were like lame, or you know not that were like blemished. Uh, and, and so they killed all the ones, the undesirable ones, and kept all the good ones. So yeah, I can see a look on Emily's face right here, like yeah, you really wanted to sacrifice those to the Lord, huh? um, so who knows what their real motives were there, but either way, they disobeyed God in not killing all of the animals, um, and, uh, later on in the story, uh, Samuel actually, I sense that that Samuel confronts Saul and says, hey, you've disobeyed, and Saul's like, he's like, he says, you know, kind of tries to justify himself and says, well, you know, I, I, I took Agag alive, and, and the people, they, they wanted to keep all these animals as sacrifice to the Lord, and and Samuel's like, look, this was really simple, like you just kill everything, and <laughs> and uh, Saul's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, okay, I've sinned, um, and this is actually where Saul loses God's favor as king, and he says, you're no longer going to be king, uh, no, what, no, neither you nor anyone from your line is going to be king of Israel, but somebody else is going to be king in your place, and um, at the end of the story, and I want to include this in here because uh, I thought it was pretty brutal, but it says that Samuel actually takes Agag and hacks him to pieces. So Saul disobeys, but we kind of get this, uh, um, like, brutal story about Samuel. Like, and, and, again, Samuel's a judge. He's a prophet. So he's not like a warrior. Um, but without, you know, this part of the story of, of Samuel hacking Agag to pieces, um, we would have missed out on uh, gems like this one here. So I don't know if you could see. Uh, you got... Um, Samuel over top of Agag here, like, you can see a limb, like, butchered off and cut his head off, so. Um, no real re- relevance to the story, I just thought that was pretty metal. <laughs> so, come on. all right, so Saul disobeys God's command, but later in Second Chronicles, there's reference to the destruction of the remnant of them Amalekites, and so God's promise is finally fulfilled through, um, I believe, one of the uh, either one of the kings or one of the rulers of the people of Israel um, later on down the line. And so here, here's the story. Here's a, the 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 context, kind of setting up the context for this verse and why God is commanding Saul to do this. Did I skip one, yeah. All right, so before we move on, before we kind of dive into uh, the dilemma, I, I wanted to specifically touch on um, two things here, uh, and why what, what's so significant about the destruction of the Amalekites. The first one is that uh, God is punishing the Amalekites, and that's very important because uh, while God is sovereign and he can do as he pleases, it's important to know that God is acting upon the Amalekites because this is punishment— <laughs> This is punishment for uh, what the, the sin they committed against the Israelites in the wilderness. Now, granted, uh, we we still have the um, you know we, we're still going to dive into the fact that he commands you know Saul to kill everyone, including infants and children. Uh, but it's, it's it's important to to take that um, and to allow that to be part of the narrative here um, that, that God is enacting uh, justice on, on these people. The second is that the Amalekites were enemies of those who follow God. And I I really wanted to specifically um, uh, share this idea that the Amalekites were robbing God's people, those who followed him and obeyed him, of the reward of their faith, their trust, uh, and their um, their following after God. And so they're, they're following God, and again, God has promised numerous times, if you follow after me, that I will bless you. And so these people are these people are, are acting against the promises that God has given to His people, uh, to that that if they if they obey Him that uh, that they will be rewarded for that. And so I want I, I want to uh, make sure we keep that symbolism in mind as we're looking at this verse. So getting back into uh, the dilemma of of God telling Saul to commit genocide. Um, so what? Uh, everyone dies eventually, even camels. So what's the big deal? Um, all these people are going to die eventually, right? Uh, and while this may be somewhat um, comical, uh, I do want to get bring this kind of back around um, uh, at a later a later point when we get to the application. But uh, really, the the questions that um, this dilemma brings us to again, and I mentioned this earlier, we're questioning is brings into question God's character, and. I, I, as I was, as I was you know, sitting and, and kind of wrestling with this subject, uh, these two questions kind of came to the surface, and the first is, can God truly be just if he kills innocent people? And the second was, can God truly be just if he does not protect the innocent? And now these may seem like I'm asking the exact same question, but there's some very distinct differences that are very important to note in these questions. So as we look at the first question, can God truly be just if he kills innocent people? Uh, and again, we're talking about, so, so let's, let's say that, uh, you know, God enacts his justice upon the, you know, the, the army of the Amalekites. So the, the Amalekites, uh, their army attacked the Israelites, and so, yeah, sure, okay, let's say these people deserve, they're guilty of, you know, attacking uh, God's people, and so they deserve to die. But he doesn't stop at just the people, you know, the, the, maybe the war party that attacked the Israelites. He says, no, the entire people has to be wiped out. Uh, they're all their animals, every single animal, the children, the babies, women, everyone, everyone is wiped out, and so we 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 have to call into question, like God, why why would you why would you command your people to completely murder an entire people group? And so the distinct difference between this question and the other question: Can God truly be just if He does not protect the innocent? Um. In the uh, so so some of the other ideas that I was I had stumbled upon and was reading was that uh, the so taking into account the character of the Amalekites uh, and also we read about multiple other instances specifically with the people that were inhabiting the land of Canaan the Promised Land God says uh, when you go into this land you are to completely wipe out all of these people like kill them all and so this is not the only account we have of this in the Bible. There are all other accounts where God says, the people that are inhabiting your land, you're to kill all of them. And the reason for that, the reason that God provides in the scripture, is that uh, specifically, like with the people that were inhabiting the land of Canaan, he says, I want you to wipe them out, because if any of them remain, then their uh, uh, false gods, their false worship, their culture is going to be assimilated into yours, and it's going to draw you away. And what happened? They didn't kill all the people, it happened exactly as God said, and so uh the the other side of this uh coin is and and i I uh, was thinking about this this morning and talking to Jake about it, and um, it reminded me of the uh the the dilemma of um the Hitler and the holocaust right so question being uh if you could kill Hitler as a child, knowing that you were going to prevent the death of millions of people, would you do it and as as Jake put it if if uh you had the chance to become the murderer that Hitler was, would you do it to prevent him from becoming the murderer that he was and so we are faced with this dilemma of um, you know yeah God commanded his people to kill children but what if what would those what what would the world look like today if he had not if these people had not been wiped out like what what could what could have happened that would be worse than the world is today and so we have this uh, we have this, uh, this tension between these two ideas of God killing innocent children, and yet what may have happened if he didn't? And this is the thing I was wrestling with. This is the point I finally got to yesterday. I, I uh, um, was spending some time on it in the afternoon. I thought, okay, I have a pretty good idea where I'm going with this. And then I was doing some more research, and I was like, well, crap, now I need to get in. Now I need to dive a little bit deeper into this and honestly and this is what i mentioned that i'm wrestling with and will continue to wrestle with because i don't have an answer to you know either of these questions i don't have a, i don't have a break in the tension between these two uh these two notions these two ideas but that's, that's not where i'm going to leave you today um so uh, going into the application of the story so um while while we can while we will continue to have this tension between you know the actions that god um commanded his people to take Uh, what we can glean from the scripture is that God alone reserves sole right to take life. So God is very specific in the Bible when he says, you shall not murder. You shall not enact your will, your judgment, or your condemnation on others by taking their life. That is mine and my, that is my right and my right alone. And so, and God himself, when he, when, when God speaks to his people and says, you know, I want you to I want you to take life when he says, uh, when he, he gives these commands, he's very specific. He says, This is the person, this is the reason, this is the target. And he, and he so he shares very specifically when he wants this to take place, he's very he, he gives very clear instructions. But he is very clear in saying that this is not this is not our right, is not our right to take life, but rather is his and only when he says. And so, when we take that a little bit further, um, and again, bringing back in the idea of everyone dies eventually, right? So, what's the big deal? Uh, so, uh, when, when, we, when we take this idea a little bit further, and God solely having the right to take life, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, we do all die eventually. And the reason for that is because sin entered the world, and the result, the consequences of sin was death, was mortality. Our lives became finite, and that the consequences of those sins, of that of that sin and, and of death entering the world of our mortality, that was uh, that was metered by God. And so we we have the we have to you know kind of take this idea further and, and understand and realize that uh, God is the one who will take all of our lives. And so the question that is presented to us then is, can we follow a God who will eventually kill us? And yet this is the same God who came to earth, who subjected himself to mortality. He subjected himself to death. He took his own life, his own physical life for us on the cross. And by doing that, and so when... Be, because death could not hold him as the scripture says death is subject to god and so by by christ taking on death he redeemed the consequences he he redeemed us and he took on the consequences that penalty of death that 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 physical death or that uh that first death if you will as as is worded in other parts of scripture he took on the consequences of that uh and um, he also then uh, took, by redeeming us, uh, took the, he, had, he then had the power to offer us life after our physical death. And so by Him redeeming us, He's also saying, He's giving us hope, saying, the life that we live here on earth in this broken, sinful world, this is not it. This is not the pinnacle of life. This is not the best life that there is, right? After this life, there is a greater life to come. And so the final question that we have to ask ourselves is, can we refuse to follow a God that will take our own life? So as Jay comes and presents community, I want you to wrestle with those questions, and I invite you to wrestle with me. And if you want to talk to me further about these ideas, I'd be happy to share my thoughts, um, and I'd be happy to listen to you and to hear your thoughts on them, um, and to provide any resources uh, that I use that may be of help to you.